What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. When you're in a leadership position, it doesn't mean that you know how to do everything better than everyone else. It just means that you're in a position to make sure that you have the best possible person in every role in the company. And so cash flow, P&Ls, balance sheets, not my strength. Engaging with people who are very good at that and talking to people and asking their opinion in any area that I don't feel great confidence has proved to work. And so I think that's the journey. You're listening to What I Know from Inc. Magazine. I'm Christine Legorio Chafkin. Today's episode The Faking It Playbook. entrepreneurship is filled with cliches. The bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. Think outside the box. You can probably think of a dozen more. Frankly, they can be a bit nauseating. But sometimes, if you dig in, there can be a nugget of truth behind some of these. One that seems particularly apt for first-time entrepreneurs is fake it till you make it. Perhaps that's because there is very little that can prepare you for what it is actually like to start your own business, other than, well, starting a business. And even if you are the very best person in the world to drive your idea into reality, you're bound to experience bouts of doubt, or even what's become known as imposter syndrome. Really, in many cases, this faking it is just doing the thing you set out to do, but being really new to the game and feeling a little awkward in your own skin. This is just one of the big concepts I talked to our guest about. She's Melissa Benishai, founder and CEO of Baked by Melissa. Her New York City-based company is the maker of tiny bite-sized cupcakes with 14 locations and a robust online shipping operation. Before launching her cupcake empire, Melissa was just working an office job, Out of college, she was a sales assistant and followed that up with a job at an ad agency. She had roughly zero passion for what she was doing, and that showed. So ultimately, I wound up being fired over a year after starting there. But, you know, I I didn't know how to work the system, for lack of a better way of saying it. And my goal at the time for my life was to find something I love that made me feel fulfilled every single day so I could go home and relax instead of feeling like I needed to first make plans or do something fulfilling. Yeah. And this was like, what, 2008 during the recession? Yes. I was fired from my job in June 2008 and literally started Baked by Melissa the next day. Wow. So it was a combination of that lack of passion for your work and the recession that sort of forced you into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Well, I I was fired because I wasn't good at my job. I always wanted to go into business with my big brother. He's an entrepreneur. He had started many businesses. At the time, he was 
um, running an interactive agency that he founded with our childhood friend, Matt. And, you know, growing up, my, I come from a very business-oriented family. My dad and my uncle ran the family business. My brother was an entrepreneurship major in college, started his first business while he was in college. I followed him to Syracuse. We were best friends. We are best friends. And so he saw the opportunity to do something around my personality from the very beginning, well before I started baking cupcakes. And so while I was working at Deutsch, I was actually baking these tie-dye cupcakes for everyone and anyone. If it was your birthday and I loved you, I baked you tie-dye cupcakes. I was known for it. At the time, I didn't see it as a business opportunity. It was a hobby and something that made me feel good to bake for people and then, you know, gift my product. And one of my colleagues at Deutsch would joke and say, you should start a bakery. And I would just say, okay, Janet, like that's never going to happen. And then I was fired. And so I went to my brother's office crying. He said, go home, bake your cupcakes. We'll start a business together. And that wasn't crazy. A, I had been baking my tie-dye cupcakes for two years already at the time I was known for them. And we always wanted to go into business together. Plus I very much understand that you must take responsibility for the way that you feel. So yes, crappy day. I got fired, probably deserved it. At the time I didn't see it that way but nobody was going to make me feel better except for myself. So I went home and did what what made me happy. I baked my cupcakes. I baked four batches of cupcakes and sent them into work with my best friend's little sister the very next day who, so Carly, my, my best friend's sister was actually staying with me that summer while she interned at Alice and Broad PR. And so I had all these cupcakes in my refrigerator after being fired and going home and baking my sorrows away, I guess. And I said, Carly, bring cupcakes into work with you because if nothing else, you'll make new friends. All girls love cupcakes. And, and she did that. And the owner of the PR firm, Allison Broad, saw the cupcakes in her office and loved them. And so she then put me in touch with her caterer. And then her caterer called me in for a tasting and... Literally the day after I was fired, I got a call from Alice and Broad's caterer, like this thick Israeli accent, hello, Melissa, Ben Zion, I'd like to bring you to my house for a tasting. And so I ran back to my brother's office, like, holy crap, we just got a tasting with Alice and Broad's caterer. Let's go in there like we have a business already and he could be a part of it. And so on the spot, we thought of the name Baked by Melissa and my brother's business partner, Matt, who I spoke of before was fiddling around on his desktop. He's a creative genius and he created our logo, the same logo we have today, literally within minutes. When I saw it, I cried, happy tears. I was like, holy crap, if I was a logo, that would be me. I went home, you know, baked cupcakes for the tasting, mocked up a, a pastry box that I got from the bakery across the street and went into this tasting with Allison's caterer as Melissa of Baked by Melissa. Wow, so you literally built a business overnight. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, and it was a yeah. fake it till you make it type thing. Yeah. I often get asked like, oh, like how? Like, how do you do it? How do you start a business? Like, we didn't have a business plan. We had balls. And, and really like my brother, you know, I didn't. I, I truly believe that confidence is earned. And now, almost 13 years later, I have earned the confidence I have in myself and baked by Melissa. But the 24-year-old girl who went home after being fired from her job and baked cupcakes, there are so many things that 
you know, were the same, like my attitude and the way I see every challenge as an opportunity to learn and grow and the boots on the ground, do it all, you know, bake, 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 go run to tastings. That was all the same. But if I didn't have my brother, his vision and his confidence in me, there would be no Baked by Melissa. That's fantastic. I want to hear more about Bake It Till You Make It. But first, two really quick speed round questions. What was your family's business and what is a tie-dye cupcake? My family's business, the one that my dad still runs today, is Rempack Foam. They manufacture foam products, sponges uh, primarily. And uh, yeah, I I never buy a sponge. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What's a tie-dye cupcake? (laughs) A tie-dye How did cup- that come to be? Yes. <laughs> so the first batch of tie-dye cupcakes I actually ever baked was for a colleague at that first job at Telerep, Michael Kidd. It was his birthday on March 1st. He was turning 30 and I wanted to do something special for him. I And baking has always been my language. Baking, creative, scrapbooking, like I just love that stuff. I think the process of creating something is is therapeutic but you know they say it's the thought that counts and so when you spend that time creating something for somebody there's nothing better and so that batch of tie-dye cupcakes for michael's birthday was that i just wanted to do something special i didn't know the type of creator i am is i often don't have this grand plan for what it's going to be so i just you know, went home, started baking, and we both love the Grateful Dead. Music was what we had in common. And so I decided to make him Grateful Dead tie-dye cupcakes. They were red, white, and blue tie-dye cake. And I decorated each one differently with the steal your face and, you know, a peace sign and and just like Grateful Dead themed designs. And when I brought the cupcakes into work the next morning, the response was out of body. I mean, I could still put myself in my body and like see and feel the energy. Like I just wished I had baked enough cupcakes for everyone in the whole office because wow, it, they made people happy. And I just was addicted to that feeling and continued to bake my tie-dye cupcakes. And of course, with anything you do over and over again, they continued to evolve. I added more colors. I love the rainbow and bright. And I figured out how to make the colors more vibrant. I, I experimented with making them bigger and smaller. And so those tie-dye cupcakes for me became my vessel of, of how I can show my love for other people. And so the tie-dye cupcake for me was my way of doing that. That's so great. And and then that seed of an idea, you grew it into a real business. Um, take me through the next year or two of actually growing just you baking at home, you, you know, pumping out cupcakes to it being a real kind of enterprise and and taking that logo and putting it up on a storefront. Sure. So I went on the tasting for the caterer. He said, these are amazing. People love just the bite. If you could figure out how to do that. Oh, my God. And so I, I literally left his apartment and combed the streets of Manhattan, asking strangers if they were baking supply stores they knew of. And I found a way to make them just a bite. Brought the cupcakes back. He loved them. He said, great, I'm doing an event in two weeks. Bring me 250 cupcakes. And so that's how the business started. I started doing events with the caterer. And for that very first event, which was approximately two weeks after I was fired from my job, I went in there with business cards that were branded Baked by Melissa. 
They may have had my cell phone number, my apartment home address, apartment 27G in 300 East 34th Street. And they also had bakedbymelissa.com. So my brother was, you know, he had started an interactive agency. So him and Matt built bakedbymelissa.com. We shot all of the photography on my Ikea coffee table in my, you know, flex three bedroom apartment in Murray Hill. We put a white bed sheet behind, you know, on the coffee table and used an elf point and shoot digital camera. And so we had e-commerce before we had retail, before we really had a viable business, which is also fake it till you make it, but I guess it wasn't fake, it was real. Using PayPal, you could go to bakedbymelissa.com and order 100 cupcakes or more that would be baked by me out of my apartment and delivered by foot or using the subway by me. And um, so that first event, we displayed my cupcakes, I put a stack of business cards down and people picked them up and they loved them. And so I started getting orders that way by word of mouth and from doing these events. And then on days that I wasn't baking and filling orders, I would cold call catering companies that did not have in-house pastry chefs. And I would say, hi, this is Melissa from Baked by Melissa. I'd love to bring you a free tasting of my cupcakes. And that was scripted. My brother helped me with that. And I remember crying to him saying like, I'm not like, you know, I'm sitting on the foot of my bed in my like fake wall bedroom saying, hi, this is Melissa from Baked by Melissa. Like, I'd love to bring you a free tasting of my cupcakes. I felt like a fraud. And he would say, you're not a fraud. You are Melissa. And if he didn't build me up and give me that confidence when I didn't have it myself, you could be sure we wouldn't be sitting here today. And people all over the country would not, you know, have the opportunity to, to get Baked by Melissa and, and send it to their loved ones. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, we're team. It, we were just as much a team of smart people with different strengths then as we are today. And that's what makes us work. Yeah, that's so great. And I didn't take of... you, by the way, through the first two years. That was like the next oh, that's two okay. weeks. That's okay. We'll get there. I just wanted to ask you quickly, you know, that sense of disbelief that, you know, your one's ingenuity is actually working has now has a name, you know, imposter syndrome. Did you have that in like, how did you get through that feeling as the company grew? Or did you? I, I had that. I think as Brian's little sister, you know, there was a part of me that was always Brian's little sister and it translated right into the business for good and for bad. I think for great for the business, for me personally, you know, how do you change a relationship with somebody, right? And of course, you know, we all talk about personal relationships and business. And of course they're challenging for so many different reasons. And quite honestly, the fact that my brother and I were able to do what we did together at Baked by Melissa is, is just incredible. And we learned and grew so much together. But I also think that for me, the growth, like I learned so much and I really just didn't give myself enough credit for a while. I think that I love going out of my comfort zone and I definitely did that in certain areas of the business. But 12 years later, I stepped into the role of CEO at Baked by Melissa and that was out of my comfort zone. And I, the growth I've had the opportunity to go through in the past almost 11 months um, after, you know, stepping into this role has been tremendous. And, you know, in December, I, I never planned to become CEO. And if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have said, oh, hell no, I don't want that job. <laughs> I loved having a partner to run the business with. 
and it allowed me to do what I believed was what I do best. And then we found ourselves in a situation where we unfortunately had to cut ties with our CEO and it came as a surprise and we brought it to the board and unanimously I was elected to step into the role of CEO temporarily. And this is December, mind you, our busiest time of the entire year. And nobody knows a business like me, but I never found myself in a position where the revenue and net operating income was on me. And so, you know, I rallied the team. We wound up having our best holiday season in the history of the company. And then, you know, right after holiday comes Valentine's Day, our, our single busiest week of the entire year. And I'd be laying in bed with my husband being like, I don't, I, like what? Like, I like being able to go to sleep thinking about like what new product to launch next and how we could create a partnership with another brand, not what we can do to bring in added revenue. But I did. And I went out of my comfort zone and we wound up having our best Valentine's Day in the history of the company. Wow. And so this was this this year. This was the December 2019 heading into 2020. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. And so just to bring everyone up to speed, you know, Baked by Melissa by this point is a multi-million dollar privately held cupcake empire with what 14 stores and a lot of e-commerce. 14 retail locations, bakedbymelissa.com. We ship all over the country. At this point, we have 50% of our revenue coming from e-com, 50% coming from retail. What happened with the, the CEO? I like to focus on things that build people up and it just, you know, it just didn't work out, unfortunately. We had no choice in the matter. It was personal to him, um, but it was not something we had planned for, to say the least. And after Valentine's Day, like, you know, I heard Hoda. Um, I, I went to the Glamour Women of the Year gathering. I think it was two years ago. Hoda spoke and she said, you earn confidence, your confidence is earned through your experiences. And every now and then you hear something and it just stays with you. And I just love that so much. And then I find myself in this position where, you know, I, I would have never wanted to be in the CEO role. I, I say it's temporary. I come into the role. I do a great job. I get the support of my board. I, you know, all of a sudden realize that, like, I always knew I have maternal instincts for Baked by Melissa, but when you find yourselves now in a global pandemic, and you just have to make this like decision after decision after decision. There's no playbook. I think if we've all learned anything since March is that there is no playbook when the going gets tough. And so I imagine what would have happened if we hired somebody for, from the outside to be the CEO and we would have crashed and burned. But here I am. Nobody knows the company, loves the company, or is more dedicated to the company than me. And I just wasn't giving myself enough credit before. There was nobody better to be in that role and to be in this role than me. And what a unique opportunity. When we come back, I'll ask Melissa how she finally learned to give herself the credit she deserved. But first, a quick break. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. 
or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. I want to hear more about how kind of how you learned to give yourself credit. And it sounds like that was sort of almost forced on you overnight, that kind of realization that you were due this sort of credit. Um, And it sounds like that was kind of around the time when it became clear that you needed to step up and be CEO. So I just wanted to like go back to that moment and get in your head a little bit and for you to talk a little bit about what it felt like um, and what how you kind of made the decision to step up um, when, you know, when that was clear that that it was the time to do so. I think my experiences are very interesting. So I worked with my brother for eight years and he was the CEO and there can only be one person responsible for a company. And he did an incredible job, obviously. And there were certain things that I would feel passionately about and do my best to get through. But ultimately, you know, my big brother, Brian is the CEO and, and it was up to him. And so He would always listen to me, but obviously after eight years of working together, there were some things that I felt strongly about that, you know, did, you know, maybe if they were done differently, who knows what would have happened. But overall, like I could have never done the job that he did. And it was amazing. And then we hired a CEO after my brother, because he is a born entrepreneur and needed to continue to create. Um, So he went on and started another business and we hired the next CEO who was incredible too. And a true partner to me and really saw how important it was to bring me into the conversation. He wouldn't do anything without me. He wouldn't make a decision or try something new without consulting with me and then and ultimately like my blessing and buy-in. And so that was incredibly new, I guess. And just that partnership, you know, working with your brother and then going and working with a new CEO who's a stranger is, is, he had to win me over and he did a great job and his communication was incredible. And he built me up and he, he kind of like brought me back to life from like a confidence perspective. He empowered me. And I think I learned a lot in that relationship. He also, I didn't always speak up because I was sensitive to him being our leader. I learned that from my brother and I was right. I would do the same thing again, but you can't really challenge control all the time because it's not appreciated. And so I found that when I didn't, when I thought I knew something, but I didn't say anything, I should have. And this happened again and again and again. And that gave me confidence. And then when I remember the morning walking to the train where I had to give this speech, I was up all night preparing like what we're going to say to the organization to let them know, you know, so-and-so is no longer our CEO. It has nothing to do with Baked by Melissa. It was entirely personal, effective immediately. I will be stepping in as interim CEO. And I got a round of applause, but it was like a, I think I listened to Rocky on the way to the train. I was like, gonna cry. Like, you know, it was just such a, like an intense, like pump up moment. And then went through holiday, went through Valentine's Day, and through those experiences, I'm learning. I think one thing I've learned to do that I didn't really, I wasn't in the position to do before was engage people who have strengths that I don't. And when you're in a leadership position, that doesn't mean that you know how to do everything better than everyone else. It just means that you're in a position to make sure that you have the best possible person in every role in the company. And so cash flow, P&Ls, balance sheets, not my strength. 
engaging with people who are very good at that and talking to people and asking their opinion in any area that I don't feel great confidence has proved to work. And so I think that's the journey. Was there a moment in there where you thought, I shouldn't do this? I shouldn't step up as CEO? (laughs) I remember standing in my bedroom on the conference call with my board and then just saying like, Melissa should be CEO without question. I was like, to my husband, like, they want me to be CEO. And I was like, (laughs) oh, like scared. I didn't know what to do. And I think, I don't think it was a, is this that it was without question, the right decision. And thank God they knew that because I didn't at the time. And then, you know, of course it was an interim thing and who knows what's going to happen in the future. CEOs come and go. I totally get that right now. This works and I don't know how long it will last, but right now I am the best person for this job without question. And so we'll see, you know, yeah. I think I've proved everybody right we all, I think all of us, including myself, like didn't imagine that we would find ourselves in a global pandemic. And, you know, it's, it's been a, we had to cut down to a skeleton team at one point and, and really get together with our executive team and our management team and, and figure out how we're going to shift with the time to, to sustain and to get through it. Yeah. Let's talk about the pandemic a little bit more. Um, You had a really strong e-commerce business going before the middle of March this year. Then what happened? Like what did you said you shut down stores immediately? What else did you shift? And how did how does the business look now? So March was interesting. In March, we saw a huge decline, not only in retail, but in e-com as well. Store revenue and foot traffic was down 60 to 70 percent week over week from the beginning of March. And so when we decided to close the stores, it was obviously safety, but also like, why would we stay open to, to what prove a point? Like go home, stay home. Don't come to bake by Melissa. And then from an e-com perspective, we also, like I said, we saw the decline, but then something crazy happened. We changed the way we talked to our customers and showed them how we could help them through this time. People became a little more comfortable with the idea, you know, we didn't know what we were in for. They, they canceled my kid's school. You know, we were all kind of just bracing to see what would happen. But then we realized life must go on. And so we started talking to people differently. If you can't be there to celebrate the birthday, send the birthday to the one that you love. We have beautiful birthday gift packaging. Birthday was one of our best evergreen categories. We were celebrating thousands of birthdays a year before the pandemic. We went from selling 800 happy birthday gift boxes one week to, you know, close to 2000, (laughs) like crazy. Um, And of of course, this was over a period of time. And of course, you know, through this, what, six month period of time, we've seen different things happen. So in April and May, everyone was quarantined and staying home. And so we definitely felt that in e-com and we went from, you know, fighting for revenue in retail and then closing to fighting for revenue in retail to holy crap, seeing that we are a way to make people happy during this challenging time and working with each of our vendors to make sure that we have shipping materials in and ice packs and, and enough gift boxes and, and okay. So, you know, we're here. And then 
the summer is our slower time. And no matter what's going on, whether it's the pandemic or not, you know, the summer we use to get ready for holiday and Q4. And so we're trying to apply our learnings from April and May to making sure we can kill Q4 because that makes, that's everything to our company. And I mean, I've been rallying and, you know, we've started that planning. Uh, I think it, it was what, with September at the beginning of August, um, because that's ever, that's going to make or break it for us. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think one big question so many entrepreneurs are asking right now, and especially in, in food service and restaurants, is like, how do you even embark on that planning when so much is uncertain? I mean, every quarter this year has just like fallen apart for business in terms of their expectations or done something completely different than they expected. How do you plan? You just kind of forge ahead with with plans and say, here's what we expect, or do you build in different kind of risk mitigation scenarios? Listen, I think anyone you ask today, we have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, the things that we've endured as a world and country over the past six months, I mean, you can't make this shit up. I, like, it's just, it's crazy. It's something new every day. And so we can only use our experiences to best plan for the future. But I know it's my job to have confidence in that plan. And nobody can listen, I could be wrong. We could be wrong. And I'm, I'm leaning on my team and it's definitely a collaborative, a collaborative effort, but we have to do what we believe is, is what we don't know, but we know enough. I hope. <laughs> yeah, so and there are times where like, you know, like on one hand, I'm like, go fight, win. Like this is going to be record breaking. We're going to have the best holiday season ever. And then on the other hand, I'm like, I mean, I hope, but like my right. job it is so imp like I, you must believe it to achieve it. My attitude and my confidence in my team without question contributes to the end result. And if I don't believe it, nobody's going to believe it. And if nobody believes it, we're not doing it. Uh, that, that is certain. And so in order to do what I believe, I think we can do, I must believe it. I must embody it. And I must do everything I possibly can to prepare for this opportunity that my business has for Q4. What's gonna happen, I have no idea, but you better believe that in January, I am going to know that I did everything I possibly could to succeed. Fantastic, so what's what's your personal like risk tolerance level? Like, Are you willing to take on a little bit of risk? I love, I love risk. I am so grateful for this opportunity I've had to grow personally because it just reminded me like I wasn't living before. Like you have to do things that are outside of your comfort zone and that's risk, right? Like, you know, get a little uncomfortable. And, and I ask all of my department heads to do that in creating their budgets for each quarter. You know, you have to, it has to be achievable, but uncomfortable. And I think I'm erring on the side of uncomfortable right now, but we all are. And it's my job and Baked by Melissa's job to make people happy with our incredible product that ships perfectly all over the United States. We have a purpose. And if we do our job, we succeed in our goal to make people happy. You started the business in a, in a recession. And right now we are, you know, you're in this new era of being CEO in another potential recession, um, it's certainly a hard time for the food industry. 
do you see parallels there? And like, does that help give you strength in this time that you've been through it once and you start actually started out during it? I'm incredibly proud of Baked by Melissa. The fact that we've been around for almost 13 years. Listen, when we started the company, nobody had ever heard of bite-sized cupcakes, but also cupcakes were like a thing. And there were so many people doing them. Today, not so much. And, and there's a reason we're still here. We're not just a cupcake company. We are bite-sized treats in a variety of flavors made entirely by hand. And this girl, Melissa, the face of the company, I'm real. And and Baked by Melissa exists because there is nothing I love more than creating for people and making them happy. And so I think the recession gave us an opportunity, gave me an opportunity to do what I love and to, and to prove that there is a place for Baked by Melissa. And now here we are 13 years later. Do I wish we were in a global pandemic? No freaking way. It is so challenging, but I think... It, it, it's invigorating Be, from a business perspective. I love challenge. I love the opportunity to do new things and like strategize, think creatively. We're all in the same boat. Every single business, you know, some businesses are in spaces that are, are luckier and, you know, more necessary during times like today. But ultimately, none of us know what the hell is going to happen. And it's, a, and it's a way to test who we are as a company. And I love that. And I personally think that Baked by Melissa is, you know, best in class product. We didn't shut the bakery for a single day. We just upped our game, made sure we had PPE, social distancing, plexiglass. You know, we spent a ton of money and made sure to keep everyone safe. Safety is always the priority. And now let's roll. Let's do what we do, make people happy and share Baked by Melissa with everyone who needs a little smile or needs to send a little smile to the people that they love. You've said that failure is really important, but it sounds like kind of in this moment, it might be more important to think about how uncertainty is something to embrace and is important. Do you have any tips for people just starting out on how to feel more comfortable embracing the uncertainty and and thriving in it? I think it's important to engage with your team and get together and ask the right questions, see what people think, brainstorm. I mean, everybody has different experiences. Even if you've all been in the same company for the same amount of time, the way you see it and the things you've experienced with it is different. And, and really collaborating and, and getting together and figuring out what's next is really important. And from a leadership perspective, everybody wants to be heard and people have great ideas. And I think even when you don't know, you have a team that does. And that's how you empower your team. And, and then a positive attitude there's nothing more important. Every challenge is an opportunity to learn and grow. And you really have to trust that those bad days are the best days because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And every mistake, it's the way you respond to the mistakes that you make and the failures that you have in your own role and as a company that ultimately make you who you are. Melissa Benishai, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. After talking to Melissa, I was so impressed with the confidence reckoning she's gone through over the years since leaving her office job and launching her dream. She realized she wasn't faking it. She was actually doing the things she'd set out to do and was darn good at it. 
she learned that confidence is earned through your experiences. And she was essentially living in confidence school every day. When asked to step up and take over as CEO of the company that already bore her name, it was like a light bulb. This isn't an act, this is me. And I am the best person to lead my company into the future. Let your experiences guide you and give you confidence. That's something we can all learn from. What I Know is a production of Inc. Magazine. We'd love it if you could please subscribe to What I Know wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a friend interested in startups, entrepreneurship, or evolving as a leader, we'd really appreciate it if you could recommend us to them. Also, it's truly helpful if you could leave us some stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. It takes two seconds, and it helps other people who'd love this podcast find us. You can also drop us a note anytime at whatiknowatinc.com. Let us know what entrepreneurial skill you want to hear about on this show. You can also let me know that on Twitter at Legorio. Our producer, who is listening to The Grateful Dead and wearing a tie-dye, is Joshua Christensen. I'm Christine Legorio-Chafkin. Thank you for listening to What I Know.